Good morning. This is Father Caleb Miller with Emmanuel Anglican Church coming to you with morning prayer for the Sunday of March 22nd, 2020, the fourth Sunday of Lent. This morning our service begins with this opening sentence of Scripture. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Our morning prayer service begins with the confession of sin. You'll find it printed on page three of your service booklet. Dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses, not concealing them from our Heavenly Father, but confessing them with humble and obedient hearts that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in his presence to give thanks for the great benefits we have received at his hands, to declare his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and others those things necessary for our life and our salvation. Therefore, come with me to the throne of heavenly grace, and let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Praying together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. He has empowered and commanded his ministers to pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardons and absolves all who truly repent and genuinely believe his holy gospel. For this reason, we beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that our present deeds may please him, the rest of our lives may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Having confessed our sins and received absolution, we stand together and say the invitatory. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. O come, let us adore him. As we remain standing, let us say together the invitatory psalm, the Jubilate. You'll find it printed on the bottom of page six. 
in your service booklet. Oh, be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Be assured that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Oh, go your way into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and speak good of his name. For the Lord is gracious, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures from generation to generation. Our psalm appointed for today, Sunday, March 22nd, the fourth Sunday of Lent, is Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We respond to the reading of the psalm with the Gloria. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is a reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. 
And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We respond to the reading of our Old Testament lesson this morning by saying together the canticle Te Deum Laudamus, found on page 8 in your worship booklet. We praise you, O God, we acclaim you as Lord. All creation worships you, the Father everlasting. To you, all angels, all the powers of heaven, the cherubim and seraphim sing in endless praise. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of apostles praise you. The noble fellowship of prophets praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. Throughout the world, the Holy Church acclaims you, Father of majesty unbounded, your true and only Son, worthy of all praise, the Holy Spirit, advocate and guide. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you took our flesh to set us free, you humbly chose the virgin's womb. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come to be our judge. Come then, Lord, and help your people, bought with the price of your own blood, and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. John, the ninth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. 
some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began. Has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We respond to the reading of the gospel. We prepare for the hearing of a sermon by saying together the Benedictus est Domine, the top of page nine. This is the song of the three young men. Glory to you, Lord God of our fathers. You are worthy of praise. Glory to you. Glory to you for the radiance of your holy name. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you in the splendor of your temple. On the throne of your majesty, glory to you. Glory to you, seated between the cherubim, we will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you, beholding the depths in the high vault of heaven, glory to you. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Come now, Holy Spirit, we pray. As we turn to the preaching of your word, Spirit, we pray that you would overrule and overwhelm. My mouth and my words, our ears and our hearing, 
that what is said and what is, what is heard is in accordance with the word of God for the glory of God and for the good of God's people. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, uh, I come to you this morning on a pre-recorded broadcast. I, I must confess that I have a face for radio and a voice for mime, uh, but nonetheless, here we are together. Our appointed psalm for this morning is undoubtedly the most beloved and well-known psalm among the entire collection of 150. It's, in fact, probably the second most well-known passage of the entire Bible, second only, I think, to John 3.16. I'm talking, of course, about Psalm 23, this psalm of David. For just a few moments this morning, I'd like to look at this psalm together. Open your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm, and this morning we'll look at the amazing things that are said about God. As we open our Bibles and look at this psalm together, we'll consider Jesus in light of this psalm, and then we're going to think about some implications for us. First, what is said about God? Author Derek Kidner has commented that everything in Psalm 23 flows out of the identity of the shepherd. And in this Psalm of David, who is the shepherd? The shepherd is Yahweh. The vast majority of our English translations of the Bible render the name Yahweh as the Lord in all capital letters. It is significant for us that David calls Yahweh the shepherd, that David identifies his shepherd as Yahweh. You see, Yahweh is the personal name of the God of Israel, the God of all that is, the creator of space and time, the only God that exists. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, as Moses was being prepared to lead the people of Israel, he asked God to tell him his name. And this is what God said to Moses. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, that's Yahweh, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am who I am. That's Yahweh. That's God's personal name. God is pre-existent. He is self-existent. He is independent of anything and everything. This is the one that David says is my shepherd. Yahweh is the God of the Exodus. Yahweh is the God of the wilderness wanderings. Yahweh is the God of Mount Sinai. He rescues his people out of slavery. He provides water and bread in the wilderness. He gives the people a law. He makes them his own. And then he gives them a land. This is the one who is the shepherd. This is the one whom David says is my shepherd. What an intimate statement about the cosmic and sovereign God. The shepherd of David is Yahweh, the triune creator God who acts on behalf of his sheep. Everything flows from the identity of the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? None less than the creator, none less than the God of Israel, none less than Yahweh. And let's notice this morning what does this shepherd, Yahweh, what does he do? 
We see in just the first few verses of Psalm 23 that Yahweh the shepherd cares for the whole of the sheep. God cares for the whole of the person. David proclaims with bold and shameless confidence, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What great tenderness. What great care. With great tenderness and with great care for the flock, Yahweh the shepherd provides. He cares for those who are his for his own glory. Nothing that the flock needs, nothing that the sheep needs is left out, is neglected by the shepherd. And he does this for his own name's sake. He does this for his own glory. He cares for the whole of the person that others may know who he is and bring him glory and honor and praise. Second, we see that this shepherd, Yahweh, he is present in the midst of crisis, even the crisis of death. David says, and the, probably the most well-known verse of the entire Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil. It's not because evil is absent, but it is because of the one who is present that David will fear no evil. And notice this, whereas before in the first three verses, the shepherd is leading David, going before David, here in the fourth verse, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is right beside him. And so David can say, I will fear no evil. The shepherd Yahweh is right next to me, and he is armed. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And third, we see in this Psalm 23, the shepherd who is Yahweh, he vindicates the sheep. There's a future provision, a table with a superabundance of food and drink. There's present tense goodness and mercy from God. There's an eternal dwelling place in God's presence. As David proclaims, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we see Yahweh, the shepherd, cares for the whole of the sheep, is right beside the sheep in the midst of evil and crisis, protecting and providing. There is present tense grace and mercy, and there is a future tense vindication. And here we notice with this last verse, one more thing. God's personal name, Yahweh, it only appears at the very beginning of the psalm and at the very end of the psalm. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh, the Lord, forever. And so everything in between, verse 1 and verse 6, everything in between is bound up and under the shepherding of Yahweh. And so I think what this means is the entirety of the life of the one who trusts in God is bound up in the shepherding, the tender, the holy, watchful care of the triune God. What a great and amazing psalm this is. It tells us so much about who God is. And you may be thinking to yourself right now, great, that's great for David. But what about me? Well, we're going to answer that question by first considering two things about Jesus in light of this psalm. Let's consider two things about Jesus from the gospel according to St. John. 
both in the chapter before our reading from today and in the chapter after our reading from today. So if you're in your Bibles with me, turn from Psalm 23 now to John chapter 8. There at the very end of John chapter 8, Jesus is in the midst of a confrontation with Jewish leaders. There's this argument back and forth about who Jesus is, about who he says he is. There's this argument back and forth about whether he's the Messiah. But at the very end of the chapter, in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus connects himself with words out of his own mouth to Yahweh. In this confrontation with Jewish leaders, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they've been claiming their authority because they're sons of Abraham. And Jesus says, I have an authority that supersedes even Abraham because before Abraham was, before Abraham was born, before Abraham was called, before Abraham was even conceived in the womb of his mother, Jesus says, I am. Now, automatically, we should have uh, memories and we should hear echoes of Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. That's exactly what Jesus' Jewish confrontation, those men heard. Jesus is claiming connection, direct connection to Yahweh, identification with, identity with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Exodus, the God of Moses, the God of David. And his Jewish opponents understood this claim because they tried to stone him as a result. So we see then, because Jesus can say before Abraham was, I am, because I am is Yahweh, because Yahweh is the shepherd in Psalm 23, what is said about the shepherd in Psalm 23 can be said about Jesus. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus leads us beside still waters. Jesus gives us what we need. Jesus cares for the whole of the person. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with us. Jesus prepares a table in before our enemies. Jesus is the reason why we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if John chapter 8 verse 58 isn't explicit enough, just wait, there's more. You see, immediately after that controversy with Jewish leaders over the healing of a man born blind that we heard this morning from John chapter 9, Jesus then launches into a great teaching of who he is in John 10. And in the midst of this longer teaching, Jesus simply says, quote, I am the good shepherd. And so again, everything that is said of Yahweh in Psalm 23 is true of Jesus. The Christian is one who can say, Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus leads me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with me. Jesus is the good shepherd. And as he identifies himself, he says in John 10, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And folks, what we're seeing here is the Jesus proclamation that the cross is the tender and holy, watchful care of the Good Shepherd. That the cross is the weapon of God against evil, death, sin, and hell. That the resurrection, another weapon, is the final word in the matter. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has conquered and all of these things that David says about Yahweh the shepherd, we can say about ourselves in Jesus. 
And so we come then to us. God, Jesus, and now us in Psalm 23. Philip Keller was a shepherd who wrote the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he says in there in his stories uh, that the land next to his own was rented out to a tenant shepherd who did not take very good care of his sheep. His, his land was overgrazed, eaten down to the ground. The sheep were thin. They were diseased by parasites. They were attacked by wild animals. And the tenant shepherd did nothing for them. And Keller especially remembered how these neighbors' sheep would line up at the fence and blankly stare in the direction of his green grass and his healthy sheep, almost as if these sickly sheep yearned to be delivered from their abusive shepherd. They longed to come to the other side of the fence to belong to him. Christians understand that the identity of the shepherd is everything. It is wonderful, Philip Keller comments to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Folks, we live in unsettling times. We, li we live between the first and the second comings of the good shepherd, and so even in the best of times, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. And perhaps in times such as these, with a the threat of a virus we cannot see, the fragility of life becomes all too real. And so it is precisely in times like these that we need to hear again the truth of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. All who trust in him shall not want. The coronavirus is a very real threat, but there is another virus that is a deeper threat. The coronavirus can kill you, but the virus of sin can lead you to an eternal death. If one is a sheep of Jesus, the good shepherd, neither the coronavirus nor the sin virus has the final word in your life. Jesus does. And so because of Jesus, we can say Psalm 23 as if David's words are our own. By grace through faith, Jesus is our good shepherd and he is with us. He goes before us, leading us. He walks beside us in the valley of the shadow of the death and he prepares for us a great and glorious future. This morning, as we conclude, I'd like to do two things. First, I'd like to read slowly Psalm 23. Make it your prayer this morning. And then I will read one final passage of Scripture, and we will return to our prayers. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here in the valley of the shadow of death, our shepherd Jesus right beside us, we can 
with confidence claim and proclaim the truth of God's word written by St. Paul in Romans chapter 8. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've said these things to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a response to our sermon this morning, let us stand together and say the Apostles' Creed. You'll find it printed on page 10 in your worship booklet. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we turn now to offer prayers, I invite you to adopt a posture of prayer. The Lord be with you, and with your spirit, let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our prayers are printed on page 11. There are responses. I will lead us through these. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness, and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people, and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Let us pray for those whom we know and love who are in need of healing, physical, spiritual, emotional. We have a list of names for this week, and we pray for them. We pray for Dot Self, Jane Bressler, Sally Biedenharn, Keith Brown, Forrest and Nancy Mobley, Betts Hesse, Joe Thrasher, Marlene Eller, Nathaniel Henderson, Jack Ryan Dean, Judy Sherman, Seth and Kathy Huntley, 
Brant Kelly, Helen Rhodes, Hal and June Aiken, Mike and Sue Doherty, Bob and Sally Feedy, Marion Pitchford. And we pray for a church in Georgia that has been afflicted with coronavirus. We pray for the church at Liberty Square. And I invite you to offer prayers for those whom you know and love who are not named out loud or in your hearts and in your minds. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread, which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin put death to flight and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins, banish our fears, make us bold to praise you and to do your will and steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Increase, O Lord, <clears throat> the spirit of neighborliness among us that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended, and you again give peace in our own time through Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty and immortal God, giver of life and health, we implore your mercy for your servants and all who are afflicted and infected with coronavirus and COVID-19, that by your blessing upon them and upon those who minister to them with your healing gifts, they may be restored to health of body and mind according to your gracious will and may give thanks to you in your holy church through Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty God, whose Son took upon himself the afflictions of your people, regard with your tender compassion those suffering from anxiety, depression, or mental illness, especially now in this time of crisis. Bear their sorrows and their cares. Supply all their needs. Help them to put their whole trust and confidence in you and restore them to strength of mind and cheerfulness of spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your spirit upon all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our prayers come to conclusion this morning with the great thanksgiving You'll find it printed on page 14. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. 
but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than all we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forevermore. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining us this morning of Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. I encourage you to tune in to our live stream of Noonday Prayers every day at noon, www.iacdestin.org. Live streaming is on the main page. Just scroll down just a little bit. We'll continue to offer prayers, preach the word, and love one another during this time. May God bless you and keep you now and always. Amen.